Hey, this is Jay Stulo, and it's time to get into the music. Today's show is brought to you in part by WCZR Code Zero Radio, your go-to for the best alternative and indie music. Find them at live.codezeroradio.com or download the free Code Zero Radio app. And now, let's get into the music. Well, hello everyone. This is Rob, and thanks for tuning in to Into the Music. Whether you're a regular listener or hearing Into the Music for the first time, please consider subscribing to the show. This helps keep the podcast going, and you'll be sure not to miss an episode. Subscribers will get a shout-out and a chance to make an appearance on the show. Just use the link in the show information. Blues guitarist Jay Stulo returns to the show today, and we're going to talk all about the blues. For longtime blues fans, I hope this will be an enjoyable listen and maybe somewhat revelatory. For those who are less familiar with the genre, I hope the discussion will spark your interest in the blues and its history. And with that, I welcome Jay Stulo to the show. How are you doing today, Jay? I'm doing great. It's happy to be back. Yeah, great to have you back here. So let's just start here. For those really not familiar with you and your music, if you could just give us a quick glimpse into your career and your influences. Sure. So I started playing guitar uh, when I was 14, and this was in the 80s. So, you know, the reason I started playing guitar was Eddie Van Halen like a lot of us, uh, it just looked like so much fun and it was a cool thing to do. And my father played guitar and he, he got me started. And, you know, it was really the 80s hairband stuff that I was interested in at that time. But by the time I was 17, uh, my dad had exposed me to a number of blues artists. And it just immediately I had an affinity for that music, uh, for the guitar players, for the singing and I think it's really, it comes down to the fact that the music is constrained in a way. Um, sometimes the best way to be creative is constraint. So there's, you know, three chords and just a handful of patterns and everything else is improv and soul and, and passion. And I think that's what I heard. Uh, and that's the way I try to approach it today. Now, the blues itself is really a broad term that covers a number of subgenres, and uh, some of those genres include the Delta blues, Chicago blues, Texas blues, Memphis blues, British blues, and so on. Now, they're all really classified by location, and I guess most of us blues fans would tend to agree that the genre in and of itself originated more or less with the Delta blues. What are some of the characteristics of Delta Blues, and who are some of the players that you gravitate toward? Sure. So, yeah, Delta Blues, we're talking about the Mississippi River Delta in central Mississippi. And a lot of that music really was invented there. In particular, there was a Stovall Plantation where a lot of the blues players that we you know, know of that were recorded actually worked there and, and they crossed paths. And, and so people like Charlie Patton and, and Sun House and even Howlin' Wolf, uh, Robert Johnson, they all spent time there. And that's kind of where it evolved. So, you know, some of the Delta blues that really resonates with me would be like Charlie Patton. Uh, he was really 
kind of the guy who invented a lot of this stuff. And he brought together in, in his ancestry, he had Native American roots as well as African-American. And he kind of combined some of those things. So you got some really interesting rhythm patterns along with the African scales and kind of invented that. So, of course, Robert Johnson, his guitar playing, you know, is just amazing. He often sounds like often sounded like there were two guitars going at once. The passion of Sun House, especially vocally, his guitar playing is pretty, I don't want to say crude, but it's it's fairly primitive. There's not a lot of sophistication in it, but it's intense, and his vocals were intense. And, and there are other things that interest me about that music. Uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson, his lyrics are amazing. Really, really deep lyrics and, and stories and, and visions that you get there. And then there's there's the the harmonica guys uh, that came from that same area, and a number of them eventually went to Chicago and, and it kind of helped to invent Southside Chicago blues, like Sonny Boy Williamson, uh, the first uh, Rice Miller, would be a great example of that. He's my favorite harmonica player. Yeah, you know, um, I agree with you on that that Delta influence, and then as we see through history, you know, it just tends to migrate north right along the Mississippi River. You know, it comes up through Memphis, and then from Memphis, it gravitates north to Chicago. And every time there was a migration, it seemed to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Sonny Boy Williamson, for example, was one we had mentioned, the harmonica player, started in the Delta, and then he wound up in Memphis. And he worked as a radio DJ, much like B.B. King did before Sonny Boy came to Chicago and started recording for chess. So, you know, some of, some of those folks started in one place, migrated, had an impact, and then and mo- kept moving further up. Right. Now, the next subgenre, and in, in you would just kind of hit on it now, is Chicago blues. And, you know, chess records was basically kind of like the focal point of that whole Chicago blues movement. It wasn't the total sum, but boy, they, they'd certainly had a grasp on it. You were at one time the touring guitar tech for Chicago bluesman Luther Allison, and you've also had the opportunity to rub elbows with some of Chicago's other top blues artists. You also play with Little Davy Max, and it, that band is very grounded in the Chicago tradition. Tell us a bit about Chicago blues and your affinity for it. Sure. So this is a vast subject, right? Uh, because this is probably the area where blues evolved the most. Right. Yeah. And yeah, Davy uh, Max is uh, very much influenced by Muddy Waters. Um, in fact, uh, Davy's a great singer and he can do a really impressive Muddy Waters. So Chicago blues is kind of interesting. There's, there's really two dimensions or two areas of it that it, you can further subdivide it into South side Chicago blues and West side Chicago blues. So originally there were a number of the guys from the Delta who came up to Chicago. Most people would be familiar with Muddy Waters, as he is definitely one. Howlin' Wolf is another. They're both very uh, influential. But before those guys got up there, there were other guys that came up, like uh, Tampa Red, who was a slide guitar player and singer, who actually played a, a, a national uh, steel resonator guitar and then eventually moved to an electric guitar before Muddy Waters did. 
And he was really influential on guys like Big Bill Bruinsey and Elmore James and Robert Nighthawk. So all of those guys played slide guitar, which is, you know, that's sort of my my favorite thing. So that's where a lot of that evolved. Muddy Waters was a, a great slide guitar player with a very distinctive style. So that's the South side. And, and those folks generally had a guitar, two guitars, often a bass, which was usually Willie Dixon, piano, drums, and harmonica. Sonny Boy Williamson and Little Walter, uh, several others on harmonica. Then there's the West Side Chicago Blues, which is all about guitar, baby. It is guitar, guitar, guitar. That's where Luther came from. That's where Buddy Guy came from. That's where Otis Rush came from, Magic Sam. Those were all West Side Chicago. And all of them had a really, really wild style of playing guitar. And they, they competed with each other. They was very competitive and they influenced each other. And, you know, when you hear, when you think about like how Buddy Guy plays guitar, it's pretty intense. And that's the style that developed there. And that is, you know, some of my favorite stuff. Right. Now, was Mike Bloomfield part of that West Side movement as well? So he was, he, you know, came in at the, I guess, the, the tail end of it. And then that's when the white kids started discovering the blues, right? And right. so he definitely was influenced pretty heavily by the West Side guitar players. Right. Because I listened to a number of those artists that you uh, talked about were, again, in, within that stable of uh, chess records. But... Outside of that, you did have the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, which really blew a lot of doors open for blues music in the later 60s. Yeah, for sure. So that that group um, with the amazing Sam Lay on drums, they you know were able to bring blues to college campuses, right? And they would play frat parties, and they would bring it to the white audience um, in the 60s. And that really helped rejuvenate an interest in blues music that led to a number of the, you know, blues musicians to their benefit that they were now exposed to a new audience. And the same thing happened a little bit later with the British blues guys. Right. Now, one of, one of the artists that you mentioned in the uh, Southside tradition was Elmore James. And when you mention the name, it just makes me think of Frank Zappa's quote of, Elmore James only knew one lick, but you get the feeling he meant it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the best slag guitar lick ever. So why do you need any more? You know, and a lot of us hear, you know, the, Elmore James, and we think of the dust my broom lick. That's really what we're thinking of. He had a, a number of other songs that, if you dig a little deeper, there's some songs where he didn't even play slide. Um, and he was a little bit more capable than, you know, some people think. Yep. Now, you yourself have a song called Red Dress Boogie from your Hold My Horses album. And to me, it's a, a funky Chicago blues. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So it definitely has an influence there. Luther Allison used to play a, a song called Parking Lot, which was sort of a Chuck Berry kind of rock and roll thing. But in the middle of it, he, the band would stop and he would just play guitar. And he did this kind of boogie rhythm, really similar to Magic Sam's boogie looking good. And uh, Luther always called it the shortening bread riff. Um, and so the guitar part that I play in that song is sort of based on that. 
And then I just had some fun with uh, the lyrics by uh, putting uh, familiar nursery rhyme characters in unfamiliar setting. Well, let's take a listen to it. Folks, from his Hold My Horses album, here's Jay Stulo with Red Dress Boogie. Stop. 
Ike Garumba here from the Ike Garumba Show on Code Zero Radio. Do you know you can make yourself happy just by controlling what you drag across your psyche? So stop staring at that toxic screen and just put your ears to work. Listen to the Ike Garumba Show on Code Zero Radio, live at 8 p.m. on Tuesdays on Code Zero Radio and on demand. All right, Jay, another subgenre that I know has been an influence on you is the British blues, and especially with players like Jeff Beck and Peter Green. Uh, the Brits, they glommed on to the blues in a big way around the mid-60s, 1966 or so. And more or less, they kind of revived what seemed to be a waning genre you know, even longtime blues guys like B.B. King and Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, Hubert Sumlin, you know, they all had an affinity for these guys, you know, and some like, you know, Howlin' Wolf, you know, he went over there with Hubert Sumlin and recorded a fantastic album with Steve Winwood and Eric Clapton and Bill Wyman and, and Charlie Watts. For you, what did the British bluesman bring to the party? Yeah, um, there's actually a really interesting story that that Clapton had told about that session with Holland Wolf, where you know Clapton, who people were writing on the wall, Clapton is God, right? And right. and he wasn't getting the part right, and Holland Wolf was getting frustrated with him, and Holland Wolf grabbed Clapton's arm and is moving his arm and his hand around on the guitar, going play it like this, you know, with some extra colorful words thrown in. Right. And Clapton was terrified because Holland Wolf was a huge man. So those sessions maybe didn't go as smoothly as, as they could have, but that <laughs> came out of it is great. So, you know, Jeff Beck is one of my favorite guitar players, but not so much for his blues playing, um, just because he transcended all genres of music. Right. right. But a lot of his playing was influenced by slide guitar players. Peter Green, love his guitar playing. I love early Fleetwood Mac. Very, very influenced by Otis Rush. Extremely influenced by Otis Rush. And B.B. King actually said he was afraid of Peter Green's guitar playing because it was, I think he called it supernatural or something like that. So the British guys, they took it and they found it and they you know modified it. The Rolling Stones started off as a blues band. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the very first blues song that I ever heard was Buddy Guy playing with uh, Bill Wyman and Charlie Watts. It's a song called Just Ten Years Ago. And that to, to, to this day, I can I can recreate that song in my head. Uh, I just can sit and listen to it from memory and, you know, really powerful stuff. So, you know, what those guys brought was more exposure. And now you have the Chicago blues guys going to Europe and touring and actually making some money for the first time, like making real money. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, like Led Zeppelin's first album was mostly blues covers. Right. Um, They changed the way they did it. Unfortunately, they they passed those songs off as as their own creations and, and, 
uh, Willie Dixon sued them and, and won because he wrote most of those songs. But it was sort of that that evolution once again where blues went to Britain and it turned into hard rock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that even Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath started off thinking of themselves as a blues band, which is, is really interesting that that that's, you know, that came out of that same era. Right. I look at uh, bands like the Yardbirds, you know, mm-hmm. and they started out as a as a blues band. Now, you know, Clapton drifted away from that from that band because they weren't bluesy enough when they got to the time of recording for your love you right. know so he found himself in John Mayall's blues breakers and then after that you know then you had this like really powerhouse thing with cream and mm-hmm. man it it just really grew and exploded yeah for for sure and and so many musicians that we don't associate with blues at all started off playing blues elton john started off playing blues piano all of those you know folks the kinks those guys were playing blues yeah uh, like i said the stones a lot of of blues influence and and starting off their careers trying to play blues and then morphing into something else right now, let's move back to the U.S. here and the Texas tradition, which in my ears, it's a bit harder edged. And coming out of that tradition, you obviously have Stevie Ray Vaughan, his brother Jimmy, Doyle Bramhall II, Albert Collins, who's a yeah. big favorite of mine, uh, Freddie King, huge influence on Eric Clapton. T-Bone Walker. I mean, there are so many. Now, your playing incorporates so many of these subgenres. So I was wondering if you play anything that is genuinely in this Texas category. We'll be right back after this short break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast Audio Branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. So a lot of us, you know, definitely had, uh, you know, some influence from, from Stevie Ray Vaughan. You, you can't play guitar in the 80s and 90s and, and say that you didn't. Right. So I think that's, you know, one of the areas where I first started in interest in where blues artists got their inspiration, who influenced who, and kind of following the chain back. And so Stevie Ray, you know, was influenced, obviously, we know by Hendrix, very influenced by Albert King, but also Lonnie Mack, who is a, a, a Texas guy. Right. Because he, when you hear Stevie played Wham, it is outright incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many, you know, Texas guitar players going all the way back to T-Bone Walker, who, you know, invented a style of blues himself. Uh, Lightning Hopkins, another one. Uh, T-Bone, what's interesting is so many people who were influenced by T-Bone and started off trying to play like T-Bone and wound up 
inventing their own style. Both BB King and Albert King and Albert Collins all wanted to sound like T-Bone and mm-hmm. none of they don't. They sound, I mean, BB sounds like BB and Albert sounds like Albert. And, you know, they are amazing guitar players who are extremely innovative and different, um, but mm-hmm. they were all the same guy. Right. I like how you brought up, you know, B.B. King, Albert King, and we've got Freddie King, you know, who in, you know, blues circles, they are known as the three kings. And gosh, I mean, you talk about just incredible three different styles all together, but holy cow, what a breadth of output and just talent. Oh, uh, for for sure. I mean, and all, all of them have their own way of approaching it and you know albert king played lefty upside down and because of the fact that he could pull strings instead of push them to bend he developed a style where he has just enormous wide bends you know and very yeah. you know and stevie ray definitely latched into that yeah. and freddie king played with the finger picks you know on an electric guitar so he has just a biting tone Freddie was incredibly loud when he played. And, and you know, B.B., oh, my goodness. Um, you know, B.B.'s style changed throughout the years. And, and what people tend to think of as the B.B. King style is kind of what he was doing in the 70s and 80s and 90s. But what B.B. was doing in the 50s and 60s was unbelievably good, um, you know, singing and playing. Mm-hmm. Someone once told me that the only album you ever need is BB King Live at the Regal. And if I could pick just one album to have for the rest of my time, that would be the one I would pick. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Now, there are some players that seem to defy being categorized. I mean, for me, BB is one of those. Um, Robert Cray, uh, Derek Trucks and his wife, Susan Tedeschi, and there's a number of others that I think, you know, they've got such a, a good blend of a lot of these traditions. Who else would you say fits in this? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, you could definitely take uh, Jimi Hendrix, for example. He started off playing blues and, and look what he invented, Yeah, you know definitely defies categorization. Yeah, it's interesting that you know you mentioned like Robert Cray who had some commercial success with you know blues and soul based songs and you know other artists that helped do that would like the fabulous Thunderbirds and, and Jimmy Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Who Jimmy Vaughn is a fabulous guitar player. Um, he's not as fiery as his brother was, but he's really, really tasteful. Right. Um, so yeah, that definitely, you know, there's an, another example where the fabulous Thunderbirds had some radio hits that were kind of bluesy, but they weren't really bluesy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they were based on blues sensibilities. Yeah. Now, I remember when Robert Cray, too, was part, you know, in that movement in in the 80s during that blues revival, along with uh, Stevie and, like you mentioned, the Fab Thunderbirds and a number of others. Clapton even had a resurgence in the 80s. And he seemed to have a style and sound that was so unique. I remember seeing him actually the night unfortunately that Stevie Ray Vaughan died in that helicopter crash, but I was at that concert 
And here's Robert Cray. He's got the Memphis horns. So he's got the horn section from all those great golden era stacks sessions. And it, it, it was just such a unique sound that he had. You have a song on your Hold My Horses album called Watching You that sounds Cray-inspired. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So that is, I, I can definitely understand um, where you would hear that. It's because I'm playing a Strat and it's a pretty clean guitar tone, which is what Robert Cray is known for. It's hard to play like that um, where you don't have a lot of gain. And your your right hand attack is is pretty strong and gets kind of staccato, but with big bends. And so Robert Cray, that's definitely a style that he played in. I saw Robert Cray a number of times. Once when I was with James Solberg, we opened for him in Eau Claire, and I got to watch him from the side of the stage. And I can tell you, Robert Cray is the best rhythm guitar player while singing that I've ever heard. Unbelievably good and complicated rhythms that are so in the pocket while he's singing crazy stuff. You know, he's such a great singer, mm-hmm. but yeah, that definitely that Strat tone uh, through a, a Fender amp is what you're hearing in that song. Right. And you know, it didn't hurt Cray either to have a bassist like Richard Cousins playing with him. That guy was incredible. Absolutely. And here's something a lot of people don't know about Robert Cray. If you go back and watch the movie animal house, uh, and they're at the bar and the band is playing. Robert Cray is the one playing bass in Animal House. Oh, yeah, with Otis Day in the Nights. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, great. All right. Well, hey, let's take a listen to that track. So here's Jay Stulo from the Hold My Horses album and watching you. Would mean to me 
over the last century, there's been a continual blending of these blues subgenres, and there's some fantastic stuff that's come out of it. Who are some of your favorite blues guitarists on the scene today? So there's a number of, of young guys that are are really great. And when I say young, younger than me, I guess. Right? I used to think of myself as a young guy, but I guess I'm not. Anymore. <laughs> uh, Kirk Fletcher is a fabulous guitar player. Uh, Josh Smith, a fabulous guitar player. Uh, they're both in California. I think Josh is currently playing rhythm guitar with Joe Bonamassa. And so they're they're both exceptionally good they're they're different uh kirk is a little bit more traditional and he played with the fabulous thunderbirds for a while and then josh smith is got a jazz influence but in in a really powerful sort of way and then you know there are guitar players that have been around forever they never really achieved that level of name recognition one of my favorite blues guitar players of all time is anson thunderberg and he's from Dallas, Texas. And that I could listen to him play a slow blues for an hour straight. And I, I don't think he would do anything that I didn't love. Just fantastic guitar player. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have, you know, sly guitar players like Derek Trucks. Mm-hmm. And what he's able to do is really amazing. You know, he has found a great platform with the band that he has and his wife, Susan. Uh, who's also a pretty guitar, good guitar player uh, in the, the style of she's definitely influenced by Buddy Guy. You can hear that. Right. So, yeah, there's any number of, you know, really amazing uh, musicians that are out there doing this stuff. Yeah. You know, another slide guitar player that's uh, been around actually for a few decades now, but still impresses the heck out of me is Sonny Landreth. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's influential, uh, been very influential on a lot of us. And the uh, the techniques that he invented and the sounds he's able to get are, <laughs> are kind of out, out of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the last item I want to discuss is influence lineages. And, you know, I think back to if anyone listening or you, Jay, know about Pete Frame and his, um, he, I mean, he tracks these things. He's got entire books of lineages of how one, one guy went from here to here and here and here. And they're, they're like roadmaps that are just incredible. One thing I've always enjoyed about blues music is finding out who influenced who and to just keep going down those rabbit trails. So it always seems to lead me to discovering something new. And has this been your experience as well? It, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because um, I'm not familiar with, with that work, but I would love to be because I have been interested in this for a very long time. In fact, I remember getting uh, in trouble in 10th grade. I was uh, got detention because instead of doing my geometry in class, I was actually making charts that was tracing the guitar influences and in the categories where I, you know, like Angus Young was influenced by Jimmy Page, who was, you know, and I was breaking these, these families of guitar players apart instead of paying attention to the teacher. So definitely that is a great way to find new music and, and new artists and just find out where it all came from and, and hear how it evolved. I think it's, in order to know where you want to go, it's helpful to know where things have been. Right. You know, and 
I think for me in my experience, I think about going back to, let's go back to the Delta again. And I never would have listened to that stuff if Eric Clapton hadn't raved about Robert Johnson. And because I listened to that, and then it was like, well, who else was in that time frame? And, you know, so now, you know, I'm listening to Blind Willie Johnson and some of these other guys that we talked about earlier. And it's so rich. It's so wonderful. Yes. And it's even at least somewhat possible to go even further back. There is a great documentary on one of the streaming services. I don't remember if it's Netflix specifically, but about the role that Native American music has played in the evolution of what we think of as American music. Right. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing because you, once they, you hear it, you know, you're like, Oh, how did I not hear this before? You know, Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, you can do that kind of research and, and find out. Uh, so you take, for example, like blues music from a, the point of view of analyzing the music itself. Like, where did those scales come from? Well, you can find all of that in West Africa. And you go and now you look at that music and the folk music there, and you can hear how that evolved into the blues when combined with like, white spiritual songs and the, the Celtic influence and, you, you know, start going further back and further back and it's all great stuff. Right. You know, in that documentary that you talked about really after watching this documentary, you start to hear how the blues, even though some of these guys were session players or you, you got guys like Robbie Robertson, Link Ray, uh, Jesse Ed Davis, and, you just listen to what they were doing and it is so blues influenced uh, and informed. It's hard to describe really. Absolutely. I think all genres of music in America were influenced by blues. They, they they absolutely were, you know, jazz certainly was rock and roll. Absolutely. Um, Even, you know, hard rock, absolutely. Psychedelic rock or acid rocks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Even, country and western um you know yeah the folk uh, scene yeah yeah absolutely wow well given what we just talked about jay how does it inform how and what you play so a lot of us when we play you know we're the product of our influences and you know everything you've ever listened to uh, that has become input is potential output, you know? So everything that I have brought in comes out at some point, even crazy stuff like, you know, Egyptian scales. Sometimes I'll be playing uh, voodoo child and I, the middle of the solo, I break into like these Egyptian scales because it's in there. It's what I heard. And it feels like it needs to come out at that point. And I think that's what I love about music is I don't know what I'm going to play until I'm playing it. Mm -hmm. And it's all, you know, based on what I have heard over the years that made an impression and it it got stamped in the brain somewhere. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I keep going back to something Stevie Ray Vaughan said and the advice he gave to almost anybody playing guitar, and that's to play from the heart. 
And I can say, honestly, you know, when I listen to any of your albums or especially when I catch any of your gigs, that's exactly what you do. It's what I try to do. You know, every once in a while you'll play a gig and there's nobody there and see people say, well, is that hard to do? Not for me, uh, <laughs> because I'm right. playing music because I want to play the music. If the, there's a, you know, a thousand people there that are cheering along, that's great. But if they're not, I still play the same way because it's coming from the heart. Yeah. All right. Well, Jay, thank you for taking the time today to talk with me. And, you know, I've really enjoyed our music conversations when I've been to your gigs and always appreciate when you give me a few minutes of your break time to, to just talk about music and stuff. So thank you for that. And before we go, uh, where can folks find you online, get your gig schedule, and buy your music? Sure. Uh, jstulo.com will have uh, all of the stuff. I'm, find me on Facebook, uh, YouTube. You know, I'm always happy to have more YouTube subscribers. I put a lot of our recordings from live shows up there, and all the music from all the CDs is available there for free. Wow. Thank you so much. And folks... Take some time, get over to YouTube and catch Jay's videos. I tell you, it's fantastic stuff. Well, thanks again, Jay. Much appreciated. Sure. Folks, my guest today has been blues guitarist and enthusiast Jay Stulo. Make sure to check out Jay's website at jstulo.com for the latest gig dates, releases, and so much more. Join me next time when my guest will be steam guitarist and vocalist Michael Murphy. He's going to be here to talk about his outstanding new album, Indigo Jones. Thanks for listening, and please share into the music with your friends and on your socials. It is so much appreciated. So long for now, and we'll see you next time we get into the music. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Into the Music. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and odyssey.com. Drop us a line on our socials or email us at intothemusic at newprojectx.com. To support Into the Music, go to buymeacoffee.com slash intothemusic. Your support keeps the show going and is always greatly appreciated. This show is copyright 2023 Project X Productions. Join us next time we get into the music. God bless and take care, everybody.